time for your Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boyd. Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, your host, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law. Welcome to a special second anniversary edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. It is 7.09 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for tuning in for a special edition of the show at Saturday Morning Coffee. We invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the things happening in this crazy world we live in, all the things that we think you need to know. And there's a lot. i got a big stack uh, today. It's going to be uh, an, an interesting show here at Saturday Morning Coffee. Folks, as you know well by now, we are all about a small number of important things. We are about limited government. We are about lower taxes, all the things that mean more freedom and more liberty for you and me and all of us who are we the people. We've got a country to save, and it starts right here in this studio. It starts right around your kitchen table. It starts right in your workplace. It starts right wherever you are. So we invite you to get uh, your coffee going or grab that cup of Java, and uh, let's get informed. Join us as we get uh, your Saturday morning going. Uh, joined here in the studio this morning, as always, by producer extraordinaire, Dr. Glenn Dye. <laughs> two years, baby. Two years, Glenn. Two years. Can you believe we made it to two years? Well, I I, I do. And they said we wouldn't last. Take you back to your childhood? Take you back, yeah. This is the Flintstones for all you yeah. youngins out there this that is, don't uh, know who they are. Barney, some, Fred, Will. Something special. Yeah, happy anniversary, my friend. Thank Two you, my years, friend. It's gone by pretty quickly. It has actually flown by. It's mm-hmm. interesting, you know. And one of the things that I have um, uh, that I have learned, Glenn, is that you know anything you learn by doing in life. And one of the things that I thought would be you know interesting, but I have learned so much. I want to thank you for your help. I want to thank all our listeners. I have been so encouraged by the people who have uh, chimed in. You'll hear from a few of our listeners today throughout the program, but just the people who have chimed in and said, look, you really make a difference. I enjoy uh, Saturday morning coffee. It helps me figure out what to think about certain things or what I think about the world. And that is really encouraging, folks. We set out to create a show at Saturday morning coffee that would be not only uh, an entertaining uh, listen that would be fun to listen to, but would also be informative, would leave you all leave you thinking, well, I'm better off having listened, uh, that it was time well spent. Right. And so we try to make it uh, not only just stuff that's, you know, fun to hear, good to, good to talk about, but also stuff that will will actually make you feel like you know something you should know. And <laughs> yeah, the water cooler stuff. You'll, yeah. be, you'll be informed at the water cooler. And so... Uh, so, yeah, we do invite you guys to join in the program. we got a lot to talk about today. Talk a little bit about the, 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 uh, the history of the show. You know, they came to me, uh, uh, 
couple of years ago, and they said, look, we'd like for you to do this show. Liz actually mm-hmm. suggested it to me because I had been helping Liz as an occasional guest host at the other station. She, I always tell her many times, Liz, you got me into this. This yeah. is all your fault. Yeah. And when Liz came to help with the launch of this radio station, Talk 94.5, they soon thereafter came to me and said, hey, would you like to do a show? And one of the things I, you know, and I said, obviously not available except maybe to do one show a week or, or some, something along those lines. And we were discussing it, and they said, well, what kind of show would you like to do? And I said, look, I, I, I want it to be live. I don't want it to be taped ahead. Some shows on the weekend, as you know, are taped in advance. I just think it's better to have folks able to participate. Able to live is always better, my live friend. Live is good. And I don't want it to be an infomercial for my law firm. I mean, we'll talk about the law, but but when it's, you know, topical right. but i wanted to be about other things that uh i'm interested in right and so we started you know sort of you know pushing around ideas what would the show be and it wound up of course being a show about nothing because i when i was you know <laughs> seinfeld it's a show about nothing <laughs> and which is not bad actually it's not if you're going to make a show about something and you don't know what the something is a show about nothing is actually not a bad fallback and so it's uh that's how but when i lived in dc what I would do with several of my friends is, you know, throughout the week, and I've told this story before, but I haven't told it in a while, so I'll give you guys a refresher course, is we would, you know, grab all the newspapers that pile up in the den on the, on the coffee table for the whole week, carry, I, I happen to live literally across the street from a coffee shop, would carry that stack of newspapers uh, to a uh, coffee shop that was right next door, sit down on Saturday morning and just pour through the newspapers you know, get them off the uh, get them off the coffee table. Read all the things that I had collected through the week that I had really wanted to read but didn't have time to read. And we'd sit around the coffee shop for you know an hour or two on Saturday morning, drinking coffee, uh, having breakfast, and talking about whatever was in the news. And when we talked about doing the show, I said that's kind of what I want the show to be like mm-hmm. like same coffee shop aura feel. And we'd like we dropped a microphone in the middle of that table in the coffee shop. And so that's what it's kind of been. It's, uh, you know, when we try to, when we try to think of a title of, you know, law and other things that interest me, it, we've got to be too long. And when you make a podcast, you only have a certain <laughs> number of characters right. uh, for your title. So that is how Saturday morning coffee came to be, but it has been great fun. It's yeah, been a lot of, of fun. Think of all the gallons of coffee we've enjoyed together. Oh yeah. And we, we've had some really good coffee. We've had some very good coffee here on the show. Honduras, and, uh, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, little Doca Estate, yeah. some uh, all kind of good coffee. Yeah. But we've had some great conversation. Good guests. And a lot of good guests. Yeah, and it's just guests. it's just been a lot of fun to uh, to be a part of it. So a lot to talk about here today on the show but thank you glenn for two great years it's been a lot of fun and look forward to uh, many more to come i am uh, happy for you guys to join the show as well let us know what you're thinking this morning you can join us here on the program as always by uh, calling in the call in line is 843-903-2945 you can also text your comments to us on the pcrx computers Dot com text line 843-798-TALK is that number. Got a great show coming up. We're going to be joined by Jonathan Butcher from the Heritage Foundation. He's going to be talking to us in the 8 o'clock hour uh, about critical race theory. And we're all, we've also got another special guest, Tom Heron, going to be joining us uh, for a little guest host spot in the 830 segment for a little joint uh, host talk about uh, our both uh, our mutual anniversary celebrations 
today. Tom, of course, celebrating his first anniversary with Up With America. So all of that and more. Stick with us, folks. lot to talk about today on Saturday Morning Coffee. Hope you'll stick with us. I'm Reese Boyd. That's, That's Glenn Dye. <laughs> Don't leave town. Hey, and this is for you, buddy. There you go. Text us, 843-798-TALK. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services. Scott, we've talked many times about how life is so uncertain these days. We're coming out of a pandemic. There's a transition in the administration. So much uncertainty in the world. How does Pyle Financial Services assist its clients in coping with such uncertain times? Well, Reese, we have developed and refined a proprietary process that we call the Wealth Audit. It helps families prepare for what we believe can be some of the most significant legislative and investor-related changes coming next year. This is the year to plan. Folks, I encourage you to reach out. That's great financial advice from Scott Pyle. It's Pyle Financial Services. Reach them anytime at 843-945-4480 or find them online at pilefinancialservices.com. It's Pyle Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. Got a girl from the south side, got braids in it. First time I've seen her walk by, and I about fell by my chair. Had to get her number. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.20 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, June the 26th, 2021. Special second anniversary edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. Thanks for joining us here on the program. Quite a few of you joined uh, me this week calling as we uh, ask if you wanted to. Called in to the uh, uh, call-in line, left some messages for us. Wanted to share a couple of those with you right now. Hi, Reese. This is Linda McHugh. And John McHugh. We would love We would love to congratulate you on your two-year anniversary. I'll let Linda take the rest. (laughs) Oh, we're going to have to do this one over again. But anyway, (laughs) enjoy your show so much. Saturday morning coffee is awesome. This one's great. Uh, Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That was great, man. Hi, Reese. This is Linda McHugh. She did it again. I just wanted to say how much I love your show and congratulations. On your two-year anniversary, I listen every Saturday. You are awesome. Up with Saturday morning coffee. Thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. That was almost a, du- a duo. That was great. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, John. Great to have good friends and uh, great to have you all listen uh, to the show. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I really have made a lot of 
great friends uh, doing this with you every Saturday morning. So we thank y'all. And we do invite you guys to join in. As I said, uh, call in line 843-903-2945. Everybody who calls in today, Glenn, we're going to find some kind of prize for them out of the prize pack. By the way, while I'm thinking about it, James from Myrtle Beach, if you're listening this morning, and I think, yes. I think you are, he's, he's chimed he's in. Chimed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a prize pack on the table in the mailroom at uh, Davis and Boyd waiting to come to you. Well, we misplaced the uh, gift certificate that goes in there, but uh, we'll get that out to you this week. So, And speaking of the PCRXcomputers.com text line, quite a few of you checking in this morning. Uh, Dave checking in. Congratulations. Gordon, the golf guy. Al, the real man. And James from Myrtle Beach checking in this morning. Uh, Deb, Neanderthal Deb, checking in. Will down at Coastal Sports, uh, checking in. Will, good to hear from you. Hadn't heard from you in a while. Cadillac Gary, checking in. Andy Thompson, checking in. Looks like Art Ruffalicious, checking in. Tim, the goodness, Tim, the car detail guy, checking in. Larry Biddle, checking in. So thank you all for uh, all the well wishes that are coming in on the uh, PCRXcomputers.com text line. want to remind you guys that you can also tweet the show. We are maintaining our Twitter handle just for mostly purposes of pushing the show podcast out. But you can tweet us your comments at Reese Boyd is the Twitter handle. You can also email your comments. Uh, do do send us your, your comments, show suggestions, topic suggestions, that sort of thing to Reese Boyd, SMC at gmail.com. And uh, also many of you like to call in during slightly more normal hours, which is perfectly fine. Many of you call me during the week, which uh, the number there at the office where the day job is, that's, Davis and Boyd, Attorneys at Law. That number is 843-839-9800. I heard from quite a few of you lately. Always enjoy hearing from our uh, listeners. And I had a few of you contact us about your legal needs, and we really appreciate that. So I want to remind you guys as well that Saturday Morning Coffee, speaking of Twitter, speaking of uh, the podcast, Saturday Morning Coffee is available as a podcast. And if you happen to miss an episode or two here and there, you can always go back and catch us on the uh, podcast page, if you look in your Google Play app or Apple Podcast, your CarPlay, Apple CarPlay apps, uh, and search for Saturday Morning Coffee, uh, you'll see the blue and red coffee cup logo and uh, just click on listen now or even better, uh, click on subscribe and you'll get uh, updates every time we publish an episode. So, a lot going on, a lot to talk about today. As I mentioned, I'm excited. We'll be uh, talking in the second hour to Jonathan Butcher. Jonathan is with the Heritage Foundation. And he also has uh, deep South Carolina roots. He's a graduate of Furman uh, University. Looking forward to talking with him about uh, the ongoing uh, saga, what we are learning that is being taught in many schools across the land. Don't uh, talk to Ken Richardson about this. Don't believe it's quite being taught in O'Ree County, but went to an interesting meeting this week of the Grand Strand Patriots where critical race theory in the schools was discussed. Ken Richardson was there. And it's a fascinating uh, discussion, folks. Most of you probably are not aware of how the curriculum has uh, moved to the left in many parts of the country, uh, particularly the Northeast and the West. But nonetheless, it is, uh, it's happening, and, and what happens there eventually happens here. So it's an important thing to be aware of. I'm looking forward to talking to, uh, as I said, Jonathan Butcher in the second hour. But that's a a very important subject that we uh, will be spending more time uh, talking about. It's killing America. Yeah. Well, and and (laughs) as as we said at the Grand Strand Patriots meeting, how can you have a country 
Glenn, when you are raising and are now not just raising a generation, but we're now raising second generation students right. to not be patriotic and to not love their country, not only to not love their country, but to view their country as something evil mm-hmm. that needs to be fixed. When did that become standard operating procedure in the schools? How can a country survive if that is what you're teaching your young people? Right. And uh, as Ronald Reagan famously said, we're never more than a generation away from mm-hmm. tyranny. And if we're not teaching our children what they need to know, what they ought to know, what they should know about their country, about their history, how do we expect them to defend freedom when, the, when it's up to them and not us to maintain our freedom? Uh, people take it for granted, you know? Yeah. So a lot of interesting little tidbits, a huge stack of stuff to get uh, through today, folks. Let me just, uh, it's a, a, a very uh, busy week news-wise. There is so much mm. uh, to talk about. For starters, let's just uh, share with you that uh, Kamala Harris has been to the border. <laughs> and uh, that is uh, quite, a, quite an accomplishment, apparently. It's uh, not something that uh, we had uh, anticipated maybe seeing during our lifetimes. But she has, uh, after 90-plus days, she actually made it uh, to the border. And there's now a, a, a bit of a controversy. Lester Holtz thinks that he's responsible uh, for, yeah, the, yeah. for the border visit. You the man. You the man. Yeah. man. Couldn't have been Trump announcing that he was going to the border. And I was about to say Trump also took credit for the yeah. visit, more likely. Now, did you did you see my post? Uh, I had a picture of Kamala at south of the border. South of the border. And she said, I'm here. Now what? And yeah. I said, I you know, I had I, I got a, a hunger for tacos all of a sudden. A, a famous meme floating around the Internet. Yes, yeah. I saw yours. <laughs> a couple of people sent it to me with Kamala Harris at south of the border. And also... It's uh, interestingly enough, she could just as easily, as we said, uh, gone to Taco Bell. Well, but she didn't go she, to she the went border. To El Paso. <laughs> she did not. She went. I mean, <laughs> basically, made a stopover in El Paso on her way to Los Angeles. Yeah, and and here's the deal. Put in perspective for you, the distance between the border and where she was is like the distance between Boston and Washington D.C. It's not close. But she she did not go to the areas where the crisis right. is, is really visible. Yeah, she was as far away as Boston yeah. and Washington. She I was, mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, El Paso is actually on the border, but it's it, not the border where we have the crisis. Exactly. It's not the, it's not the problem areas. Yeah. Yeah. So, she avoided that. And uh, several Texas congressmen uh, took her to task, as mm-hmm. you might imagine, uh, because it was more, I think, of uh, uh, it was symbolism is all it was. It but, was trying to beat Trump. Yeah. I, I swear and, that's uh, what it was. Uh, according to Fox News, Vice President Kamala Harris arrived tex- in Texas on Friday for a long-awaited border visit. And she snapped at a question mm-hmm. about why it had taken her so long to visit after more than 90 days since being appointed to lead the effort to tackle the root causes of the migrant crisis. Harris, who was appointed by President Biden in March to lead the diplomatic outreach to combat the root causes causes of sur of the surge in migration is in el or was in el paso to visit a processing center at and a border patrol facility it uh, it comes after harris was hammered both by republicans and democrats over her failure to visit uh, the border instead visiting mexico and guatemala and unveiling a range of in, in initiatives to end root causes like violence poverty and this one really got my attention 
climate disruption in Central America. I had no idea. It's that wall, man. It's reflecting heat. Climate disruption in Central America was the problem here. I thought it was more along the lines, Glenn, that we are giving stuff away right and left, that we are qualifying illegals in some states to work in any capacity, including as registered nurses and other certified professions. I mean, I thought that might have something to do with it. I had no idea that all of this was tied to climate change in Central America. Yeah, it's just too hot down there. Uh, I just, get, they I, want to travel north. Hasn't it always been hot yeah, in Central America? Yeah, it has. That's like it, it, it never rains in Southern California. Well, wasn't her answer that I've been to the border before? Oh, yeah, she's yeah. been to the border before. Oh, yeah, that's apparently, oh. apparently reflecting uh, the time when she was in the Senate. <laughs> yeah, sorry we made that mistake. Yeah, yeah. Not. You've been to the border. She, uh, she, uh, she claims that her visit to the border simply builds on her work done in Guatemala Guatemala and Mexico, and is not a response either to Lester Holtz or Donald J. Trump. Right. So we'll see about that. But, uh, folks, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting time. Let's just leave it there for now. What we have at the border is a crisis, yep. and it is a crisis of historic proportion, and it's going to take more than a flyover uh, by Kamala Harris uh, to fix it. So. Hopefully we'll stay after it and a lot more to talk about on Saturday Morning Coffee. After these words from our sponsors, we'll be right back with more. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team. So how do you coach a buyer who's involved in an environment where there are multiple offers being submitted? Because most of these deals are going multiple offers, Reese. You've got to have a buyer that absolutely has to have the property, meaning the motivation is there. Going in strong with terms and price is the way you win in this market. So, Greg, how do you work to ensure that your clients don't pay too much? The law of supply and demand says when there's not much of something available and tons of demand, prices have to go up. But if the home meets their needs and they have to buy today, we're not going to let them overpay, but they need to do what it takes to win. Great real estate advice from Greg Sisson. Reach Greg and the Greg Sisson team at 843-251-2693, or you can schedule your appointment online at gregsisson.com. The Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand. Hi, I'm Christina Gray. I'm one of the youth leaders at Myrtle Beach Christian Church. Our kids at Myrtle Beach Christian Church are very involved. Um, We have a youth takeover service where they do the entire service once a quarter. And we also have opportunities for our smaller children to do the benevolence offering, which is where they go around and, and gather an offering for people who might not have so much. Myrtle Beach Christian Church is like my family. When I'm there, I feel like I'm home. If you're looking for a place where you feel like family, when you walk in the door, you see smiling faces and we have great music, you know, a place where you can bring your children, bring your grandchildren, you know, Myrtle Beach Christian Church is definitely the place to be. This is Pastor Danny Banks with Myrtle Beach Christian Church. We would love to see you on Sunday mornings at our services, 1226 Burkhill Road, 843-236-1121. Give us a call. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, 735 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, June the 26th, 2021. Thanks for joining us here on this special second anniversary edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. Glad to have you with us. So excited to be celebrating our uh, second anniversary. This message is to Reese Boyd. I want to congratulate you on your two-year anniversary with Saturday Morning Coffee. Your show is awesome. Keep up the great work, Reese Boyd. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Appreciate that kind word. Thank you to all of you who uh, chimed in on the uh, call-in line over uh, the past few days uh, with words of uh, encouragement. Congratulations. And a lot uh, going on this week that some of it's some good news, some not-so-good news. Wanted to... Uh, did you hear, Glenn, about there's a new uh, cookie shop coming to town? Really? Yeah, there's a, you know, I mean, you know you're getting a little bit older when the thought of a cookie shop gets you going. But uh, it's a sweet new cookie shop expected to open in the Myrtle Beach area this summer. New cookie store coming to the Grand Strand called Crumble Cookies. It'll be located in Saybrook uh, Town Center just off intersection the intersection of us 17 and south carolina highway 544 down with burger fi larry mm-hmm. and the guys at burger fi down at saybrook center uh we had been to a crumble in utah fell in love with the cookies and atmosphere and we thought this would be a great uh fit for the area we really love it said managing partner heather nelson big open kitchen and smells coming out of the of uh, the and the great customer service we just loved it the menu features six cookies weekly milk and ice cream Always includes milk chocolate chip and chilled sugar cookies with pink almond frosting. Four different specialty cookies are featured each week. Uh, that will be so. That will be opening. You know, the one thing missing, of course, from this uh, description of the menu: coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing <laughs> better than a, a great big old chunky chocolate chip cookie and a and a good cup of uh, coffee. So. Yeah. For those of you with a sweet tooth, uh, look for that in the near future coming to uh, Saybrook uh, Town Center, very near to you. Um, can I let you know, um, if you live in Longs, uh, your mail may be a little late. The uh, The post office in Longs uh, burned up last night. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, crews responded to the fire in Longs, and um, it was about uh, 1030 last night. And I'm seeing a picture of it, and it does not look like uh, you're getting your Amazon package out of that place. Uh, it doesn't look so, like a lot of mail survived. No, it's it's engulfed. So, hmm. just thought I'd let you know that if you're, you know, expecting your mail today. Um, <clears throat> interesting. You know, I read online, Glenn, one of the pieces I read this week, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the performance of the mail service is really getting awful in some areas. In some areas, it's taking over 20 to as much as 30 days for a first-class mail item to be delivered. I mean, right. we're talking about you mailing a number 10 envelope with a first-class postage stamp. I think the standard in the U.S. generally has been throughout the Postal Service's modern history, I think, five-day delivery. Mm-hmm. Like that, no matter where in the country you mail that letter, that letter should arrive within five days. We ought to just give the mail service to Bezo. Let, no, him, let him run yeah, everything yeah. else. Yeah, I mean, he has world domination. Hey, he's got um, world domination. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, quite a few of you checking in on the PCRXcomputers.com 
text line, Jesse the Horseman, enjoying some fresh ground coffee this morning. Good morning, jo- uh, Jesse. Johnny checking in. And uh, Dane also checking in. Uh, Dave checking in. with uh, All congratulating us on the second anniversary. And quite a few others that I'd already called out. So thank you all for checking in on the uh, text line, joining us here on the program uh, this morning. Um, and also in the news this week, some not so good news had the uh, – a very sad development of a a condo collapsing in mm. Surfside, Florida. And every time I heard that story, uh, Glenn, my, my heart just stopped. Because right. when they said Surfside, I'm, of course, I'm thinking Surfside Beach. Right. And, it, and even after they clarified that this is not Surfside, South Carolina, this is uh, Surfside, Florida. Right. It's still, I mean, every time I hear that word, it's just, uh, but it's a sad, it's a it's an unbelievable um, uh Sad situation. One fifty nine, according to the Sun News article this morning. One fifty nine, still missing with a confirmed death toll of four. And you know, one of the things I thought interesting comment that was made. The uh, I think it was the local mayor said that you know we've never seen such devastation. Well, maybe they hadn't in that town, but of right. course America has seen the devastation. As soon as I saw the pictures, and the pictures were unbelievable. Uh, the the videos, yeah, terrible. Uh, but I immediately thought of nine eleven. Yep, and and of course, one of the things that happened uh, this week that we wanted to share with you, of course, uh, Ron DeSantis gave a press conference yesterday, said that a definitive explanation is needed and in a timely manner as to why a twelve story condo building partially collapsed in Surfside, Florida, amid search and rescue efforts in the aftermath of the deadly incident, and of course. You know, buildings don't just fall down. I mean, we don't, we haven't, I mean, when, when a building falls down, that is a very big deal. Um, I heard, now, granted, I'm not a structural engineer, mm-hmm. but I, I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express okay. last night. I have heard some people commenting, Glenn, that the proximity to the water is the problem or the proximity to the ocean is the problem. I don't really, that does not ring I don't think the regular. I don't think the regulations were in place that there are today with yeah. building, um, especially on the coast. Uh, I think. In, well, I think in Florida you have you know the the sinkhole problem. True, which yeah. I guess can be aggravated near the coast. It yeah. can be aggravated near anybody, of course, mm-hmm. frankly. So in that sense, proximity to water uh, is is maybe in that way related. But some people will tell you, well, you just can't build on the on the on the ocean because yeah, the proximity to the ocean in the sense of a hurricane is a problem. But theoretically, if you build a large uh, skyscraper on the ocean front, we've got many of them here in the, in the, you still drill down to bedrock. You drive the pilings down to bedrock and that's no different from the same procedure that you would utilize if the building was five miles inland, right? You're going to drive down to firm solid footing for those pilings that are rated to support whatever the weight of that building would be. Before you start to build up. Right. right. So, And it, if they did that that way, but this was 20 years ago? Built in, in the 80s. In the 80s, okay. So, you know. But of course, yeah. 30 years ago. Even, but even then, I mean, think about, I mean, Glenn, there are skyscrapers now that are in the hundreds of years old. Think True. Of, think of the Empire State Building. Right. Buildings that were built in the early part of the 1900s. Right. They're not going, or knock on wood, they're not supposed to go anywhere. Right. That theoretically is is not they just don't fall down right and i mean and i 
I, you know, I read. Or they're not a, supposed to. Story about corruption and the, you know, the regulations weren't in place back yeah. then, and there was a lot of things that cut in corners. So I hope it doesn't come to that. No, there was one. There was one interesting story that caught my attention, or one interesting angle to this is that there was roof work being done, and to me, when you look at the photos, it's a. To me, it looked like it was clearly a situation where the floors. You know, it's the same thing that happened in the World Trade Center. Right. Once structural failure began near the top of the World Trade Center Mm -hmm. and the building started to compress and collapse, then it pancaked. And and by the time. And so if they, in fact, were working on the roof, my my I've wondered this question. If they were working on the roof and there were materials, construction materials on the roof, if that if that first if that 12th or 13th floor, whatever that top floor was, if it collapsed. And it hit the floor below it right. with enough force. Obviously, if the if the if the if the building wasn't strong enough floor by floor to support whatever they had put on the roof, right. or maybe something else happened on the roof that caused the top level, the very top part to collapse, hitting the floor beneath it, right. and then that, of course, was more than that floor could bear, and so it fell immediately, collapsing onto the floor beneath it. And of course, by that time. It's a, you know, every floor is increasingly more weight. Right. And there's no way it's going to stop at that point. It becomes a chain reaction that goes all the way to the ground. And, and if you look at, the, um, if you look at the, uh, the, the photos, it looks like the floors are just, I mean, literally stacked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't, it, it just literally came yeah, right it didn't, down. It didn't fall over like a leaning tower. It did not fall no, over. No, no it, it literally pancaked yeah. right down into its footprint. Yeah. And so... Anyway, but very sad news. Our prayers go out uh, to the families, as we said, many uh, uh, 150-plus still missing, unaccounted for. Uh, Four confirmed uh, have passed away. And uh, Governor DeSantis looking for answers, which we we need to get. So uh, very sad news. Folks, stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Shines and find white lines on weathered stores with open signs. They may as well just close them down. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services. Scott, you and I have talked many times that there are lots of financial advisors in Myrtle Beach, but why would folks be well-served to contact Pyle Financial Services if they need assistance with their financial planning? Reese, it really begins when they walk through the door. As fiduciaries, we put their interest above our own. We're not just a bunch of advisors competing with one another. What we do is we wrap the entire organization around their family, helping them navigate today and their future with a high level of comfort and confidence. Folks, that's great financial advice from Scott Pyle and Pyle Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose. Call them anytime at 843-945-4480 or reach them online at pilefinancialservices.com. So you're thinking about selling your home, or you've got plans to do some home improvements. Let's get your home inspected by the pros. Pro Home Inspection Services. Here's just some of the things Emerson Trepper will inspect. Moisture. 
air quality, infrared HVAC vents, electrical panels and outlets, air leakage of doors and windows, water pressure, gas leaks, even roof inspections. Emerson Treffer of Pro Home Inspection Services has over 40 years of inspection experience, residential and commercial. He's also qualified as an expert witness in various state, federal, and county courts. Home inspections are a great way to check things out before you begin projects. It's not just for selling or buying a home. Get started with ProHomeInspectionsSC.com. That's ProHomeInspectionsSC.com. Pro Home Inspection Services, it's the value of experience. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5. I don't believe it. Don't touch me. Hey, Ray. Hey, Sugar. Tell them who we are. Well, we're big rock singers. We got golden fingers. And we're loved everywhere we go. That sounds like us. We sing about beauty and we sing about truth. At $10,000 a show. Right. We take all kind of pills to give us all kind of thrills. But the thrill we never know. It's the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.50 on your Saturday morning. Saturday morning flying by here on the uh, on the show. A little, uh, little... I can listen to that all day, I can man. listen to that all day. Little... You know, uh, that was Dr. Hook, little right? Dr. Hook. Yeah, I, was trying, I was trying to remember who that was. You know, I saw him at the Wagon Wheel, uh, a little beach bar place down oh, here yeah. off 17 years ago. Yeah. Uh, he came in and performed where that was I re- the beach wagon, wasn't it? The beach wagon. Okay, the beach wagon. I say wagon wheel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Obvious Darius Rucker. Yeah, I totally forgot. Yeah, I totally forgotten about yeah. the wagon wheel. Yeah, or the beach wagon. Beach wagon, and that was back in the seventy, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and he came to town. Uh, played. He came out wearing red cowboy boots, which I'd never seen back then. You didn't see the colors we see on boots today. Well, and is... I thought that was awful weird, but it was a great show. Very intimate, small place. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, I think I. Went there at least once when I was like in high school. I think we kind of. I think we may have snuck in. So self-disclosed. Um, thanks. And the climbers. Speaking of bumper music, uh, Glenn, the climbers checking in on the PCRXcomputers.com text line says that they have not missed a show, and uh, that Mrs. Climber says we got the best buffer music in town. So thank y'all so much for that. And I'll tell you what, uh, for listening to every single show. We will be glad to send you guys a T-shirt or a mug. Uh, just text us your address, and we'll get that out to you. Tell us what size T-shirts you want, you guys want, or if y'all want a couple of uh, mugs with the Saturday Morning Coffee logo, be glad to send those to you as well. Thank you all for being loyal fans of the show. We are, of course, here on the special second anniversary edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. Others of you checking in, James from Myrtle Beach, uh, again, checking in with some comments on the destruction in Surfside. Very sad. Larry Biddle asking if Surfside, Florida, and Surfside, South Carolina are sister cities. I'm not aware of that, Larry, but I tell you, it's not a bad idea, and I hope you guys will be in prayer and just do what you can do to support uh, just what, what is certainly going to be just massive uh, loss. I mean, there, I'm right. sure there are going to be whole families yeah. that were just yep. wiped out, yep. that are gone. And it's just unbelievably, uh, believably, unbelievably tragic. But uh, we do, as we were talking before the break, need to get to the bottom of exactly 
uh, what happened. And uh, Will checking in with a y'all eat question, Will. I'm not we sure. Do, we, we do. We do eat. eat. We but eat. we haven't eaten this morning, if Will. Wanna, so If you want to bring us uh, some vittles. Ham and cheese uh, omelets. Maybe go by the, you biscuits, know, the famous toastery. Sausage. And pick up some, yeah, sausage, be great. gravy. Oh, biscuits. that'd be great. Man, yeah. I haven't had that in a long time. Uh, we're flexible, Will. We do yeah. eat. So uh, We're not worried about clogging our arteries nah, today. It's none an of anniversary. That. It is the special uh, <laughs> anniversary. second anniversary edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. So we'll celebrate in whatever way you suggest, Will. Just let us know what you got. <laughs> hey, Reese, this is William Bailey. I just wanted to call in and congratulate you on an awesome two years. I really enjoyed it. I hope you have many, many more, my friend. Thank you, Representative William Bailey. Very nice of you as well. That's another Will. So we had Will at Coastal Sports and, uh, and now Representative uh, William Bailey. So thank you all for all those messages of uh, encouragement and congratulations. And, uh, and, Will, we're ready. The door's open, so just let us know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very important piece, folks, published in the Wall Street Journal. You know, many times on this program you will hear me say when you mix politics with science, you get politics. Mm-hmm. And when you mix politics with medicine, uh, you get politics, politics. surprisingly <laughs> enough. When you mix politics with professional football. You get politics. politics. Oh, man. Yeah, and then, and then, right. and it's funny how this there's a pattern. Yeah. If you all see a pattern emerging here, it is not your imagination. Interesting, and when I say interesting, I mean powerful, as in boom, piece in the Wall Street Journal this week by doctors uh, Joseph Ladepo and Harvey Risch. These are not Yahoo's folks. Uh, Dr. Ladepo is associate professor of medicine at UCLA's David Geffen School of Medicine. Didn't know that record money was uh, funding medical education, mm-hmm. but that's good to know. Dr. Risch is a professor of epidemiology at Yale School of Public Health. So these guys did not fall off the turnip truck at yesterday, folks. These are high-powered, uh, highfalutin docs on a nationwide uh, stage, and they wrote the following, which I'm amazed that they had the courage. This is a great act of courage that they committed this uh, article to paper and, frankly, to the Wall Street Journal uh, for printing it. Uh, one remarkable aspect of the it's the question headline are covid vaccines riskier than advertised something that we surprisingly enough uh, say that in jest uh, have been speculating about for months mm-hmm. on this on this program and on others on this station as well uh says doctors ladepo and rish one remarkable aspect of the covid-19 pandemic has been how often unpopular scientific ideas from the lab leak theory referring to Wuhan, uh, to the efficacy of masks, referring to Dr. Fauci, wear your mask sideways, uh, were initially dismissed. Okay, make a note. Initially dismissed, even ridiculed, only to resurface later in mainstream thinking. Think about how many times that has happened in the course of this pandemic. Differences of opinion have sometimes been rooted in disagreement over the underlying science. But the more common motivation has been political. Boom. I agree. Political. Another reversal in thinking. Let that sink in, y'all. Let that sink in. Uh, we're talking about differences of opinion have sometimes been rooted in science, but the more common motivation has been political. Another reversal in thinking may be imminent. Some scientists have raised concerns that the safety risk of COVID-19 vaccines have been underestimated. But the politics of vaccination has relegated their concerns to the outskirts of scientific thinking for now. Historically, the safety of medications, including vaccines, is often not fully understood until they are deployed in large populations. 
Examples include rofecoxib Vioxx, a pain reliever that increases the risk of heart attack and strokes, antidepressants that appear to increase suicide attempts among young adults, and an influenza vaccine used in the 2009-2010 swine flu epidemic that was suspected of causing febrile convulsions and narcolepsy in children. Evidence from the real world is valuable as clinical trials often enroll patients who aren't representative of the general population. We learn more about drug safety from real world evidence and can adjust clinical recommendations to balance risk and benefits. Article is fascinating, folks. They talk about VAERS. They say there's a, a vaccine adverse event reporting system, which is administered by the CDC, a database for how Americans document adverse events that happen after receiving the vaccine. But the FDA and CDC state that the database isn't designed to determine whether events were caused by the vaccine. This is true, but the data can nonetheless be evaluated, accounting for its strengths and weaknesses, and that is what the CDC and FDA say they do. Uh, This is a fascinating article, folks, that points to some significant things that we've been alluding to on this program for many months. We'll get to that a little bit more of the data after these words from our sponsors. Stick with us. We'll be right back with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. It's a thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Wanna see my picture on the cover? At Williams Flooring Carpet One in Pauley's Island, shopping for floors just got a whole lot easier. Get samples delivered right to your door. How simple is that? Start online at WilliamsFlooringCarpet1.com and get started on updating your floors with samples delivered to your door. At Williams Flooring Carpet 1 in Pauley's Island, they offer their unique, beautiful guarantee. If you don't love your new floor, they'll replace it free. It doesn't get easier than that. Williams Flooring Carpet 1 has a beautiful showroom with tile, carpet, luxury vinyl plank, and lots of products in stock and ready to roll. Find out why so many homeowners all over the Grand Strand love Williams Flooring Carpet 1. Bev and Rob Webster know floors and they know how to make you smile. Shopping for floors just got a whole lot easier. Everything gets started online at WilliamsFlooringCarpet1.com or stop by and visit Highway 17 in Pauley's Island. This is WTKN Talk 94.5. Merle's Inlet, Myrtle Beach. Conservative opinion and insight. WTKN. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 8.06 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking with us through the 
Second cup hour of Saturday morning coffee, or if you're just tuning in, welcome to a special second anniversary edition of Saturday morning coffee. A couple of new listeners checking in this morning on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. The Virginia gentleman moved here January 2020. Love the show. Congratulations on the second anniversary. Keep the faith and continue to move forward. God bless you both and your family. So thank well, you so much. Thank you, Virginia gentleman. That's a very kind word. Also got a a new chime in on the PCRXcomputers.com text line from uh, M. Seavers in Charlotte, who apparently streams the show every Saturday. So there thank you, you so much. Yeah. And they sent us an address. By the way, the Virginia gentleman, if you'll uh, drop an address in that text, we'll drop you a Saturday morning coffee T-shirt. Just yeah. let us know the size, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get that out to you. And let me know what uh, part of Virginia you're from, seeing that I grew up in northern Virginia. Yeah, i tell you what. I've uh, read an interesting article about Fairfax County uh, <laughs> this week. We don't have time to get to it. We'll stick... Uh, We'll stick that in the future stack. Um, Just before the break, folks, we were talking, and in just a moment, we're going to be joined, as promised, by Jonathan Butcher with the Heritage Foundation. Just before the break, we were talking about a very important article that came out this week in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, We just posted a link uh, to the article on the Saturday Morning Coffee Facebook page, so check that out if you would. But just an article that that really uh, was powerful, and it was courageous, courageous for the doctors to write it, frankly, and courageous for the Wall Street Journal to print it. More courage on the part of the doctors. They are really putting their career on the line, honestly, by doing that. But the point of the article was that the dangers of the uh, coronavirus vaccines have been utterly overlooked by the medical and scientific communities and that the motivation for that is political, folks. And you've heard me say Look, if you want to give your children a vaccine, I've said this countless times over many months. If you want to give your your children a vaccine that was approved on an emergency basis by the FDA, well, then do that in an emergency. That's what emergency basis approvals are for. And that's what the COVID vaccines are. People say, I've had, I've had people tell me, well, we're not worried about long-term effects. We know they're, we know they're fine. We don't know the long-term effects of COVID-19, the vaccine or the disease, because it hasn't been around. And so if you want to give your kids a vaccine on an emergency basis because you're in the midst of an emergency, but to me, emergency implies there are people passing out in the streets. I'm stepping over dead bodies on my way to work, that sort of thing. Hospitals are overwhelmed. Hospitals are overwhelmed. That, to me, screams emergency. What's happening around us now does not scream emergency. And what this article goes on to point out is essentially if you're under the age of 25, the danger, statistically speaking, of the vaccine may well be Trump. greater than the danger of COVID-19 itself. And we have college after college after college that is requiring students to take this vaccine when the, when the dangers, frankly, are still an unknown. Blood clots, heart inflammation. Thrombosis, yep. non-infectious myocarditis, heart inflammation, uh, deep vein thrombosis, and even in VAERS, some uh, instances of death. And, and another point he makes, this is back to the article by Drs. Lapato and Rich. While you would never know it from listening to public health officials, not a single published study has demonstrated that patients who have a prior infection, COVID-19, who have a prior infection, benefit from COVID-19 vaccination. That isn't readily acknowledged by the CDC or Anthony uh, Fauci, and it's an indication of how deeply entangled pandemic politics is in science 
concluding, and I'm skipping a bunch, great article. I encourage you guys to check it out. Public health authorities are making a mistake and risking the public's trust by not being forthcoming about the possibility of harm from certain vaccine side effects. There will be lasting consequences from mingling political partisanship and science during the management of a public health crisis. Think about that, folks. Have you ever ever had a time in your lifetime when you said or would say, I don't think I can trust what's published by the CDC. I don't think I can trust what's published by the National Institutes of Health. I say that today with certainty, but it's because people like Fauci and people of his ilk have politicized what is a medical public health crisis, and it will have negative and lasting consequences uh, for all of us, folks, and it's very discouraging. Uh, but we do want to switch gears. We've got a guest on the line. We're going to switch gears from vaccine politics to critical race theory, not completely unrelated, by the way, both driven by the dementia that is leftism in this country. Joined here on the program to talk about uh, critical race theory by Jonathan Butcher. Jonathan is the Will Skillman Fellow in Education at the Heritage Foundation. He has researched and testified on education policy around the U.S. He is currently writing a book for Post Hill Press discussing critical race theory in schools and America's national identity. I can't wait to read that. Going to be getting a, an autographed copy of that for my library, I'm sure. In 2021, South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster nominated Jonathan to serve on the South Carolina Public Charter School District School Board, which is a board that I have also served on in the past. The uh, district is a statewide charter school authorizer doing uh, great work. And Jonathan has co-edited and wrote various chapters in the Not So Great Society, a book which provides conservative solutions to problems created by the ever-expanding federal footprint in preschool, K-12, and higher education. Jonathan, I believe, is a graduate of Furman University, among other distinctions. He's also got an MA in economics from the University of Arkansas. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Great to be with you. And I wanted to talk to you today about, after that lengthy introduction, really wanted to talk to you about what is going on with critical race theory. But uh, uh, in particular, I was curious about uh, your book, your forthcoming book. When is that going to be published? Well, thank you. Well, we have a date in February of next year, uh, although I have some very gracious editors who um, are uh, considering uh, releasing it earlier. So at the very latest, I think it'll be uh, uh, end of February uh, is what we're looking at. But uh, excited for that and, and really have a great, great team at Post Hill that I'm working with. Yeah, that's awesome. Look forward to reading that and, and, uh, and having you back on the show to discuss it again when it comes out and is available. Uh, tell us, Jonathan, what, what much attention being given now to critical race theory as being taught in, in many of our schools, not every school, but in a lot of our schools. And what has brought this issue to the forefront in, in, in your estimation? And, and where do we go from here? How do we fight this? Well, I think critical theorists have stepped into a vacuum that's been created because civics is not taught enough in schools around the U.S. I think that uh, students are not exposed enough to uh, what it means to be engaged in their communities, what civics really looks like. And because of that, you have this theory that views everything in public and private life through the lens of race. And they've injected that into K-12 classrooms. And look, you can uh, pick a state, pick a city, pick a major school district, and find critical race theory being used 
um, there. And despite what the major media is saying that, oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. This is really not critical race theory. This is just something else. Um, that's just nonsense, right? Uh, the Portland Public School District uh, up in Portland, Oregon, has a critical race theory coalition that puts videos on YouTube. Um, the Loudoun County School District on the other side of the country um, has contracted with an organization to perform teacher training that produces resources called Critical Race Theory, an introduction to critical race theory. Uh, you have Kimberly Crenshaw, who is one of the founders of the whole theory. Her idea of intersectionality is being used. It's a chapter in the ethic, ethnic studies model curriculum in California. So I think anyone trying to cast doubt that this is really happening is, is just not being honest. Is, do you have any sense uh, – now, Jonathan, where do you live? You, you're, I see you're on the board for the Palmetto – for the uh, Public Charter School District for the state of South Carolina. Are you a resident of Columbia or Greenville or, or – Greenville. Greenville. Yes, I live what, in Greenville. I thought, yeah. I thought you were in the upstate. I thought you were in the upstate. So do you have any indication, like we have a local uh, school board chairman who has assured us, Ken Richardson, and I believe him. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that he's not being honest about that. But he has suggested that um, critical race theory not made its way into Ori County schools. And, of course, I think there's legislation that's uh, been approved, actually, that would prevent it from being taught in South Carolina schools. But has it been an issue, to your knowledge, in any South Carolina schools? I know that there are some private schools that are recommending the work of critical theorists, like mm-hmm. Ibram Kendi and yeah. Robin D'Angelo. Yeah. Yes, I know that it's, uh, it is it is being... Yeah. One thing that I thought, and of course, you, you raised the point, it, it, it is happening elsewhere. Um, I, I saw an article uh, pointing to some schools in the Wellesley a public school district in Massachusetts. Of course, this is Massachusetts, so no no shock necessarily, but uh, they were actually dividing students. They were teaching critical race theory and actually dividing students, setting up areas of the schools where they were literally uh, segregating students and, uh, and teaching them about their diversity, equity, and inclusion plan. And they uh, stayed, the, the, the goal of the plan, the stated goal of the plan is amplifying student uh, voices by providing opportunities for what they are calling affinity spaces for students with a shared identity. And, uh, and they are, uh, the, the document includes diversity staffing, which includes, uh, which means providing resources for affinity spaces for specialized populations within the wider faculty staff, i.e. A-L-A-N-A. I'm not even sure what that is. Administrative leaders of color, LB, LGBTQ plus, uh, white educators for anti-racism, et cetera. I mean, it's just, it's just pablum. It's, it's nonsense. And, uh, and yet it's catching hold and it's taking, it's taking root. And uh, so how do we, uh, what is the best way to, to confront this, this emerging doctrine, I guess, in your opinion? Well, I think first is being able to identify it like you did just there. I mean, affinity groups are one of the ways that critical theory is being used by separating students or even teachers according to the color of their skin and providing different resources or lessons to them. I mean, that is racially discriminatory. I mean, that's something that the Brown versus Board of Education yeah. um, that is, is utterly inappropriate in K-12 schools. So, so recognizing that you know, racial discrimination and critical race theory are the same thing, right? Critical race theory is meant to be applied and is racially discriminatory. And then I think, secondly, uh, being ready to talk to your child's teacher, your child's principal, talk to the school board, 
um, and uh, and explain right that these ideas lead to people receiving different treatment based on uh, skin color and say that this is inappropriate and and that uh, and that it shouldn't stand. You know, all of these different um, uh, ways of being civically engaged, right? Uh, writing a letter to the editor, um, uh, being active in your child's school. I think talking in your community, in your church, um, about where you see this coming up are all an important part of communities uh, coming together to say that this is not a part of the shared experience that we have as Americans. Yeah. Jonathan, I had a few more questions for you. Would you mind hanging with us through a break? And we'll be right back with uh, a little more of our discussion. Be glad to. Okay, folks, we're, uh, uh, we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Stick with us. Local news and more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services. Scott, we've talked many times about how life is so uncertain these days. We're coming out of a pandemic. There's a transition in the administration. So much uncertainty in the world. How does Pyle Financial Services assist its clients in coping with such uncertain times? Well, Reese, we have developed and refined a proprietary process that we call the Wealth Audit. It helps families prepare for what we believe can be some of the most significant legislative and investor-related changes coming next year. This is the year to plan. Folks, I encourage you to reach out. That's great financial advice from Scott Pyle. It's Pyle Financial Services. Reach them anytime at 843-945-4480 or find them online at pilefinancialservices.com. It's Pyle Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose. So you're thinking about selling your home or you've got plans to do some home improvements. Let's get your home inspected by the pros. Pro Home Inspection Services. Here's just some of the things Emerson Trepper will inspect. Moisture, air quality, infrared, HVAC vents, electrical panels and outlets, air leakage of doors and windows, water pressure, gas leaks, even roof inspections. Emerson Treffer of Pro Home Inspection Services has over 40 years of inspection experience, residential and commercial. He's also qualified as an expert witness in various state, federal, and county courts. Home inspections are a great way to check things out before you begin projects. It's not just for selling or buying a home. Get started with ProHomeInspectionsSC.com. That's ProHomeInspectionsSC.com. Pro Home Inspection Services, it's the value of experience. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team. So, Greg, we all know the real estate market is super hot right now. Can you give folks a quick snapshot of what's going on? It's never been a more hot seller's market in my career. I mean, just think, one year ago, we had nearly 4,000 homes for sale. Today, we have less than 1,100 on the market, and 40% more homes are selling each month. So, complete opposite of what we had a year ago. You've been in this market for over 24 years 
yours locally. How does that experience translate to benefit your clients? You're right, Reese. Doing this for 24 years, we've learned a few things, and we specialize in better communication, giving our clients more peace of mind, and just handling all the details, streamlining the process. Reach Greg and the Greg Sisson team at 843-251-2693, or you can schedule your appointment online at gregsisson.com. The Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand. Give them a call today. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. Everybody, welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is eight twenty-four on your Saturday morning, Saturday, June twenty-sixth. Thanks for joining us here on this special second anniversary edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. We are talking to Jonathan Butcher. Jonathan, Jonathan is an education fellow with the Heritage Foundation. He is also uh, an author and the author of the forthcoming uh, book to be published by Post Hill Press, uh, Press about uh, which discusses uh, critical race theory in our schools and America's national identity. Jonathan, thanks for joining us here this morning. Great to be here. Thank you. And uh, one of the things we were talking about right before the break, you know, in, in this idea of national identity is, is one that I, I come back to again and again. It is a situation like I can recall uh, when I was growing up, uh, there were these little snippets that we would catch on Saturday morning with the cartoons, and they were snippets that talked about uh, America as the great American melting pot. You know, the idea being that wherever you were from, you came to this country and you became an American. And you, you know, you weren't an African American, you weren't an Irish American. I mean, we know we, we use those terms, but at the end of the day, we were Americans. And I feel like we have failed to, we've stopped teaching that to our children. We've stopped teaching. The idea of the melting pot, the unified, the, the things that pull us together being much stronger than the things that divide us. is is Am I off base? Well, you're exactly right. I mean, I think especially with this new critical perspective that many educators are taking, they're saying that we are really just belong to different tribes who are competing for power in the United States and that some of the tribes are guilty of oppression and must be uh, either punished or have certain rights taken away. And uh, that's actually something that dates back to the origin of critical theory, even before it became what we are know today as critical race theory. Yeah, and and I think it's very it's extremely dangerous. You cannot continue to sow the seeds of division among the young people and the youth. You can't raise them up to be divided. If you raise them up to be divided, when they're in charge, we'll we'll be we'll, we will break apart as a country. I, mean, I don't think it's any. More complicated than that. Well, I think you're also robbing students of the ability to conceptualize the American dream, right? To think that the American dream belongs to them and that it's something that we all share, right? If yeah. you say to a student, you 
are inherently oppressed because of the color of your skin. There's nothing you can do about it. And so you will always need help from some sort of agency or some sort of outside uh, organization, and, and you can't overcome that. I mean, that's a devastating perspective to grow up with. And I think that we do need to tell students, right, that this is a, a, a country that believes in freedom and opportunity for everyone, regardless of the color of your skin. And we can do that Amen. and also teach about American history and also say, right, that slavery in the Jim Crow era, they failed to live up to America's promise. We can do both. We can do both things, right, yeah. and explain that this generation's responsibility is to live out America's creed. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we just need we need to teach American history properly. It's it's not a gr- it's not a bad story. It's not an evil tale. It's not a tale of oppression. It is a great story. Are we perfect? No, but it is a great and uplifting story that everybody uh, can celebrate and and participate in. And along with that, may come some respect as well. Just to throw that yeah. in there, because Amen. respect has been really lost. Mutual respect for for others of of any color or creed, and uh, you know, Jonathan, you used a word before the break that that caught my attention, always catches my attention, and you said that intersectionality, and I feel like that's a word that's kind of one of those magic words that people use to talk over other people, um, and. A lot of folks don't really understand what folks are saying, and that's one of the reasons people use it to talk over others, in my opinion. What, what is your understanding, or I know you understand it, but explain for folks who may not be familiar with the term, what is intersectionality? So intersectionality was developed by a law professor named Kimberly Crenshaw in the 1980s, and it became a central component of what we know as critical race theory. With intersectionality, the idea is that you possess an identity, right, as a, say, an American who is black, and you also possess another identity based on your gender or your class or your weight in some cases, or um, uh, really any other tribe that you choose to associate with, and then you layer on top all of the obstacles or oppression or disadvantage that you can possibly find, and that is the intersection of your oppression. And so intersectionality teaches us that we should pick all the different components of our lives, figure out how we're oppressed by being related in any form to those different segments, and then layer that oppression together. And then you say, either to the public or the people around you, um, I need different benefits because of these layers of oppression. And you can't understand me until you understand all the ways that I'm oppressed. Yeah. And that's my identity is this these layers of oppression. The uh the intersection of my multiple oppressions clearly clearly something we need to be encouraging young folks and anybody to meditate on. I mean, obviously that's a recipe for success there. Uh well, Jonathan, I've been fascinated to talk to you. Any any other thoughts you want to share with our listeners this morning? I mean, I think it's just really important to recognize that what the media is doing right now and what even educators who um, are advocating for the new racial discrimination in critical race theory, when they say, oh, it's not happening, or oh, it's not out there, uh, know that that is gaslighting, right? They're trying to make you feel crazy. Uh, and there, is, there are plenty of examples and evidence that use the words critical race theory in K-12 curriculum. Yeah. And uh, you can find that on our website, heritage.org. 
Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating uh, subject. I've I've enjoyed talking to you. And one of the things that I mentioned, and, and I'll just share this with you in closing, it's a, it's often a very subtle thing. You know, critical race theory not being taught in the schools in O'Ree County. But as I reviewed with one of my children, the curriculum that they were reviewing when they were studying the American Revolutionary War, at the end of that curriculum, they were asked a series of review questions about the uh, about the war for independence. And they said, um, you know, the questions were broken down into sections that focused on what was the impact of the Revolutionary War on African-Americans, on slaves? What was the impact of the Revolutionary War on women? Uh, what was the impact of the, of the Revolutionary War on Native Americans? And not that I particularly objected to any of the questions in particular, but the sum total of the review section, it, it, it without explicitly saying so, focused the children, the students' attention on thinking about things through the, through the lens through the perspective of what group am I a member of? And, and, and so a lot of those things that are happening are very subtle, but you have to, I think you've got to pay attention to what your kids are being taught, what the curriculum is teaching them. But more importantly, at least around here, they wouldn't say the word critical race theory, but what's being taught between the lines? For sure. I mean, the implications of critical race theory being felt everywhere. This idea that oppression has become the way that we describe the world around us um, is a, it's the flip, right, of the way that we should feel about uh, the hope and potential of America's freedom and opportunity. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, it's been great to talk to you. I uh, so, so much appreciate your work and your efforts at Heritage and everything that y'all do. And good luck with the forthcoming book. And please feel free to come back on the show anytime you want to come back and talk about it or anything else. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Have a great day. Folks, it's Jonathan Butcher with the Heritage Foundation. And after these words from our very helpful sponsors, we'll be right back with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. Hi, folks. Berlin Wolf here with Carolina Cool. Spring is a great time to turn to the experts and upgrade your heat pump system with a new carrier high efficiency system. Currently, Carrier's Cool Cash program provides a rebate for as much as $1,650. And with Sandy Cooper's $700 rebate, that adds up to a savings of $2,350 towards the purchase of a new Carrier High Efficiency System. Call us now at 238-5805 to get the details. All of our comfort specialists are certified to do proper load calculations and airflow diagnostics. Experience a no-hassle, low-pressure, options-based way of discovering your comfort choices. And learn why Carolina Cool is the only certified Energy Star contractor on the beach. Make sure your home is comfort ready for a long, hot summer. I'm Verlin Wolf. Now that's cool. Carolina Cool. That's cool. 
Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team. Greg, if you represent a seller in this market, how do you help them determine what the right listing price is in a market such as this? To determine the right listing price today, you have to look at the current pendings that are comparable. We don't even need to look at the closed sales because that's in the past. In an upward trending market that's going up this quickly, we look at homes that are on the market that are for sale or have just gone pending, and that's what we're basing our pricing on, but you have to be careful not to overprice. When the home is on the market for more than 25 to 30 days, people start wondering what's wrong. So you got to be careful not to overprice it. Great real estate advice from Greg Sisson. Reach Greg and the Greg Sisson team at 843-251-2693, or you can schedule your appointment online at gregsisson.com. The Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand. Give them a call today. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. In a cave below the ground, way down, it's cold and it's dark. But it knows his way around, and the mazes of the underground are no match for him. But it looks just like a traveler who hasn't showered in a while and been living in the ground. Milo is your best friend. He's your second cousin. All roads lead to these rising sun. Milo is a long, long way from home yet. Milo is a name you won't forget. Milo, I haven't met. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Special second anniversary edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. It is 8.36 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sharing your morning with us. I want to thank uh, Jonathan Butcher of the Heritage Foundation for joining us for a fascinating discussion of critical race theory and how it is creeping into our culture, creeping into our society, and unfortunately creeping its way quickly into our schools also, um, want to thank Larry Biddle for the wonderful uh, sourdough bread that he has. Yeah, uh, there's a box of chocolates here. out here too. Man, we are living well, large today. That's what Mama all used to always say, Larry Biddle. You never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get. Life yeah. is like a box of chocolates. Life is like a box of chocolates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. I uh, did not get a chance to talk about all the examples, folks. But there is a ton of information out there if you will search for it for uh, critical race theory making its way into our schools. And as we said during the segment with, uh, with Jonathan, it is a subtle thing. And what I think we see happening even here in O'Ree County is the curriculum that is being utilized is, is slowly making its way across the political perspective. And it's moving to the left, by the way. It's not moving to the right. There was another article that I was going to share with Jonathan if we'd had more time. Maryland's largest school district found uh, students attending Thomas Powell Middle School's social justice class were taught phrases like uh, make America great again are actually examples of covert white supremacy. (laughs) The phrase make America great again, according to this curriculum, is ranked on a pyramid just below lynching, hate crimes the N-word, and other racial slurs. Wow. The curriculum also teaches that white privilege 
means being favored by school authorities and having a positive uh, relationship with the police. Uh, Over in uh, Maryland, we find that the Montgomery County Public Schools have allocated $454,000 of their taxpayers' hard-earned money for an anti-racist system audit by the Mid-Atlantic Equity Consortium. Love to look those guys up. Well, me too. I'm wondering how many there are yeah. that are getting $454 million yeah. out of the county. Find out how how uh, how many people there are earning that chunk of change. Mm-hmm. Company that claims expertise in using another buzzword that we talked about in the prior segment, intersectionality, as part of its theory of change, which makes them uniquely positioned to conduct anti-racist audits and to mitigate the root causes of of systemic barriers. Folks, if it hadn't dawned on you, if the little BS light in the back of your brain is flashing bright red, it should be. If it's not flashing, it's broken. You need to pull into the next exit and have the system checked. It should be flashing brightly right now. That is complete and unadulterated, utter bull excrement. And I don't even know what more to say beyond that. I mean, that's really all you need to know. Look what's happened up there in Loudoun County, Virginia. I mean, rise up, people. They, it, there is no time like the present to nip this in the bud. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, How is that sourdough bread over I'm, there? I'm Mr. sorry. I just made Mr. a huge radio faux pas, y'all. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing it on the air. <laughs> I, I just blew it. Well, right. Luckily, you got a co-host in Great here show. now. Tom, Tom Heron, my good friend with Up With America, joining us here in the studio for a, a an historic joint session. How about that? Of Saturday morning coffee as I talk with my mouth full of bread. Tom, welcome <laughs> to the show. Thank you, Reese. Great show this morning. I've been listening all morning long. I got up early just to make sure I didn't miss anything, and it's been awesome. Jonathan was amazing. Actually, the Heritage Foundation itself is just a tremendous resource. Those of you who are not familiar with it, go to look it up, the Heritage Foundation. Probably join it, become one of their members. It's a great thing. And your show's been awesome. And yes, it's your second anniversary, my first anniversary. It's a big day. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Glenn and I were talking, and I want to thank Larry Biddle again. Y'all can thank Larry Biddle for that bread moment on uh, on National Public Radio. (laughs) That was the sound of bread masticulating. This is an NPR. In the back of my my jaws. Um, But, yeah, it's a great day. We're both celebrating an anniversary. Who would have thought we'd be doing this two years? But Glenn and I were talking during the break, off air. We've got a great, you know, we've kind of had our fits and starts, but we've made good progress. We've got a great lineup here. Yeah, on I mean, I've been with you've you all. You've got a great show. I've been with you since the beginning, really. I came like two, I think you might have had two shows under yeah. your belt when I when they brought me in. Just a small number yeah. of shows. And I, and I really, again, I'll thank you again for the folks who weren't the loyal 705 crowd. Uh, thank you, Glenn Dye, for the excellent work you have put in uh, over Mitch the last Wyatt. two years. You've been mm-hmm. a, you've been a great uh, great friend and a great asset to the show. Neither one of us could do this without that guy. That's oh, no. Just, uh, there you go. Yeah, and as I have said <clears throat> to you, Tom, I think Up With America is a great show, and you got a real property there. The thing about, you know, Saturday morning coffee, we I love it. I hope other people love it. But it's, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a unique thing. Uh, but I think Up With America is actually a platform that could have really nationwide significance. Well, I, I appreciate it's a, it's that. A, it's, a great, I, it's a great vehicle. So I appreciate that, Reese, and I know you've been helping me for a long time with it. When we created the organization about 10 years ago and created, if you go to the upwithamerica.org website, you can learn all about what we're all about. And the radio show is just a, frankly, I was so pleased that the station came to me about a year ago and said, 
would you be interested in doing this? So that's what that's how this all happened. Yeah. yeah. So want to give know. so congratulations on that, and I'll be hanging around for a few minutes during Good. the Up with America hour. If Excellent. we can continue this discussion, I wanted to get to one more thing for the for the uh, on that was on the Saturday morning docket this morning. One of the more uh, frightening things that I have read in recent months, folks, was an article also that came out in the Wall Street Journal uh, this week. Rudy Giuliani's New York license, New York law license, suspended over false election 2020 statements. A New York a New York court has suspended Rudy Giuliani's state law license Thursday after concluding that he made demonstrably false and misleading statements in his effort to reverse the results of the 2020 election in favor of former President Donald J. Trump. Mr. Giuliani, the former mayor of New York City, represented Mr. Trump as his personal attorney beginning in 2018 with the Russia investigation after the 2020 election. Mr. Giuliani led a legal team that laid out sprawling and unsupported allegations. This, again, the wording of the Wall Street Journal unsupported allegations of a conspiracy between Democratic officials and foreign governments to steal the presidential election for Joe Biden. These false statements were made to, this according to the court, made to improperly bolster Giuliani's narrative that due to widespread voter fraud, victory in the 2020 United States presidential election was stolen from his client, his client being Donald J. Trump. This according to the New York Appellate Division, uh, and which they wrote that statement in an order based on the findings of a continuing investigation by its attorney grievance committee. And, folks, this is extremely troubling. I'm an attorney. It's extremely troubling to me, but it should be extremely troubling to any of us. Whenever you, your attorney is denied access to the bar, denied access to the practice of law simply for arguments that he made during court. That's an astonishingly dangerous precedent. Now, let me say this. As an attorney, I will tell you, the attorneys have, under the rules of professional responsibility in every state, a duty to exercise what's called candor with the court. But that typically applies to statements related to procedure, things that the attorney has done in their personal capacity. In the way that lawyers argue their cases, lawyers are supposed to be given free reign. And they should have free reign. Not only free reign, but there is an unlimited exception, a privilege that applies to statements made within the, within the courthouse. You can't sue somebody for libel for a statement that they make in the courthouse because there's a privilege that applies there. And the ultimate goal of all of these privileges is to make sure that we get to the truth. And here they are. They're they're not only muzzling Rudy Giuliani, but they're taking away his law license because he made a few statements about the election that they find to be unsupported. Am I wrong? Is that not insanity? Mind-blowing. All of this is mind-blowing. That's scary, frankly. Yeah, like freedom of speech has just been thrown out the window. And, well, and, it's and like that's 100% political. That's right, Glenn. And you know what? The truth of it is I've been listening all morning. We're going to be talking about this a little bit more later today. It's almost like we woke up one morning and every and the language in the United States changed to French or something. Mm-hmm. Even the language is being changed. They're doing yeah. that on purpose to confuse everybody and throw everybody off. Yeah. I yeah. don't even know what they're talking about half the time. Words like intersectionality. Exactly. Like we've talked yeah. about on this show. Absolutely. Use, they use words that 
we're like, where did I hear that before? I've never heard that. Well, they use words to talk over you. I've heard of metrosexuality, but not uh, intersexuality. I'm all about metro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you keep your toes clean and all yeah. that, yes, uh, you know. Metrosexual, yeah. I, get, I get that. Yeah. Intersectional, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not so sure. It's a little that. embarrassing, Glenn, that I graduated from a high school in Montgomery County, Maryland. Yeah. And my daughter lives in Loudoun County, Virginia, so... I mean, I'm pretty. You should you should know these things. And I do, I, yeah, absolutely. And I graduated from Thomas Jefferson. That's in, right. in Alexander. Is that still um, called Thomas Jefferson? Uh, they haven't is. named it, it something is. else. I think the name may be on the way yeah. out, yeah. folks. We're uh, we're talking here about uh, this incredibly dangerous ruling that the New York Appellate Court has handed down in Rudy Giuliani's case, suspending him from the practice of law for comments that he made about the 2020 election. Extremely dangerous, and we'll be following it uh, in the future and reporting back. Wow. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with the uh, parting wisdom segment of Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Tom Heron. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Do well to be more like is your best friend. Text us, 843-798-TALK. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday morning coffee. And we're here today talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services. Scott, you and I have talked many times that there are lots of financial advisors in Myrtle Beach. But why would folks be well served to contact Pyle Financial Services if they need assistance with their financial plan? Reese, it really begins when they walk through the door. As fiduciaries, we put their interest above our own. We're not just a bunch of advisors competing with one another. What we do is we wrap the entire organization around their family, helping them navigate today and their future with a high level of comfort and confidence. Folks, that's great financial advice from Scott Pyle and Pyle Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose. Call them anytime at 843-945-4480 or reach them online at pilefinancialservices.com. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk 850 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking with us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. You made it to the final parting wisdom segment of Saturday Morning Coffee. Had a lot to get to, a lot to cover today. We've talked about a lot, haven't gotten to everything. One item in the news that did catch my attention, you know, at the uh, law firm of Davis and Boyd, we do a lot of litigation, do a fair amount of litigation in probate court. There are basically two types of litigation that the firm handles, or there's any, any firm, we our firm handles both, but if you look at your, uh, if you get sued and you're involved in litigation in the probate court, there's basically two kinds. There's ES cases and there's GC cases. ES cases, which are estate cases, that can be a trust estate, you know, dispute over a trust who's entitled to what, 
uh, from the money that's in a trust. It's also if you have a will and your heirs litigate what's in your will. Those are called estate cases, trust and estate cases. The other kinds of cases uh, are GC cases. You'll see the, the little thing. It'll say like 2021-GC-26. Uh, Those are guardian and conservatorship cases. And interestingly enough, I enjoy – uh, you know, I enjoy litigating the probably the trust and estate cases more than the uh, guardianship cases. But the guardianship cases can be very interesting. And I've had quite a few cases, Tom, that you'll find this of interest that could be television movies. They've been so interesting. But one of the cases, did you hear about Britney Spears? I certainly did. And uh, that's just amazing. And I was me. thinking of all the interesting cases that I've had, Britney Spears has never walked into my office. I missed that one. <laughs> not yet. Somehow, I missed you, Not yet. Not yet. You have my number when she does. Yeah, right. uh, but yeah. uh, Brittany, of course, at nearly 40, has asked the court to break her abusive conservatorship. The 39-year-old pop star addressed the court by herself on Wednesday for the first known time in more than two years following the increased interest in her conservatorship after the release of a New York Times documentary framing Britney Spears. And the uh, and the rise of the hashtag Free Britney movement, which has been organized by her fans, and they showed the clips from the guardianship uh, conservatorship proceeding in court. And I mean, the people it was like a it was like a rock concert. Mm-hmm. You know, people outside, you know, wearing their their Britney. I had guys with, you know, uh, sunglasses that had you know Free Britney across <laughs> the the top of the uh, probably a free bird shirt that he had or uh, had he had he had to make it truly Britney. truly unbelievable <laughs> and uh, so but I don't think we've got a ruling yet but uh, court uh, Britney pushing back against her uh, against her well listen Reese, evil, I'm not evil to her father I don't I'm not going to ask you to get into a bunch of legal mumble jumble here but how can a conservatorship have any control whatsoever over a of, over an adult 21-year-old. A 39-year-old adult. Yeah, that is an, or anybody over 21 for that matter. An excellent question. Uh, Brittany said, I'm not here to be anyone's slave while appearing in the Los Angeles courtroom remotely via telephone. I've lied and told the whole world I'm okay. It's a lie. I thought that maybe if I said it enough, I would maybe become happy because I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I am traumatized. I'm so angry. It's insane. I'm depressed. No longer holding back, Spears condemned her father and others who have controlled her conservatorship. I truly believe it's abusive. I don't feel like I can lead. How could you lead a lie? You can't lead a lie. I understand she's on an allowance of a thousand bucks a week. It's, it's, she's it's making like millions, millions of dollars. Of dollars. Oh, know. Daddy is too. But yeah, you know the thing is, uh, they're they're basically framing what they're saying, framing her, saying that she is mentally unstable to do this now. We know better than that. Yeah, she shaved her head one time. Yeah, she's she, had some she's breakdown. had phases, but oh, yeah. I think I think uh, the conservatorship is like you said, Tom. By the time you, of course, the standard is showing that someone is mentally not competent right. to manage their own affairs. But in her case, how do you distinguish the crazy deeds of the father from the crazy deeds of the daughter? They're right. both they're both relatively mm-hmm. crazy, and I think the father's relationship with her has become abusive. And it seems, based on what I've seen, that he is primarily concerned about the money. Yep. And and that's not a, a valid basis. And, of course, there are others involved as well. And they appear to be surprised, concerned about the money. Saying so. that she's been made to take drugs that she yeah. didn't need. And 
So, um, wanted to give you guys in the parting wisdom segment a nice piece that I found from Michael Ferris. Michael Ferris is the president and CEO of the Alliance Defending Freedom, which I am. Uh, I am an attorney volunteer. I'm an ally of the Alliance Defending Freedom. Of course, ADF litigates cases around the country fighting for mine and your religious freedoms and other freedoms guaranteed by the Bill of Rights. Mike writes in the most recent issue of uh, ADF's magazine, less, less than two years after I graduated from law school, I received a call from a local leader who asked me a fateful question. Mike, she began, Congress just passed a bill extending the time for ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment by a little over three years. What do you think about that? Daddy, I think it's unconstitutional, I answered. So what are you going to do about it, she asked. And it wasn't really a question or a suggestion. It was more like a command. A few weeks later, I filed the first lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of the purported extension of the deadline for the Equal Rights Amendment. Our political opponents went to the Washington State Bar Association and had a resolution urging a boycott on travel to any state that had not ratified the ERA. The resolution was to be debated at our annual convention. The speaker was introduced. The, ratif- the resolution was on the convention floor, and chief counsel was the uh, counsel for the Washington Education Association, the teachers' union. She was backed by several other speakers, including the president of the State Bar Association. I alone spoke in opposition to the resolution. I was alone, but I knew the ERA advanced abortion, LGBT ideology, and a host of other bad ideas. The vote was taken, and to everyone's shock, my side won the vote. I was the only one willing to take a stand, but it, it turned out to be an important stand. So it says just uh, uh, Mike's parting words, I encourage you to be willing to stand up and let your, let your voice be heard, folks. Never doubt the ability of one person to make a difference. Michael Ferris stood up, one man at his bar association, and he made a difference. Uh, let me leave you folks with this bit of wisdom from the Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Folks, I want to thank you all for joining us. I want to thank my guest, Jonathan Butcher from the Heritage Foundation. Thank Tom Heron. Thank all of you who have chimed in this morning and otherwise participated. Thank Larry Biddle for the toasted sourdough bread. Everybody <laughs> who has encouraged us here on this Second anniversary of Saturday Morning Coffee. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You guys are like family to me. Stick with us for another two years or however long we make it. And yeah, How uh, long do you want to do this? I don't know. We'll find <laughs> out. It'll be a good ride. Stick mm-hmm. with us. Right after this break, we're going to be uh, hearing from Tom Heron and Up With America. A lot, uh, lot to talk about on Tom's show, so stick with us for that. As for us, folks, we'll be back next week with another carefully brewed edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.